Hey folks, welcome to Seed Talk. I am your host, Lisa Mason Ziegler, and we're going to be joined also with the Gardener's Workshop Seed Manager, Lane Angelo. And in this show, we talk about all things seeds. And I hope you enjoyed this brand new podcast brought to you by thegardenersworkshop.com. Today is the start of a new little series that we're doing called Seed Talk with Lisa and Lane. Hi, Lane. Hi, Lisa. Hi, everybody. So Lane is um, our seed manager. She's the one that oversees the purchasing and all the packaging of all of our seeds. And I didn't tell Lane I was going to do this, but I'll tell you a little story about how Lane came to be a part of us. So Lane, um, so way back, when was it, Lane? Was it a year and a half or two years ago when, before yeah. we started? Yeah. Yeah. So during a- Beginning lot- of 2021. Beginning okay. of 2021. Yeah. Okay. So during a Facebook Live, I just happened to mention that we were bringing on board more crew members for the gardener's workshop. And one of the, one or two of those positions was an in-home seed packer, meaning people that work in their home package in our seeds. And Lane just happened to be on that live and heard that and reached out to me. And as it, the, as the wheel turns, as I like to say, um, (laughs) turns out that, she already had my books and your husband, Harach, um, had purchased those for her as a yep. gift. And the, anyway, that was kind of the beginning of the story was that she interviewed and um, she was hired as one of our seed packers. And as one thing leads to another, then she started joining us in the warehouse. And then as the business grew, she was brought on as the seed manager as our business just exploded during the pandemic as so many gardening companies business did. And here we are. And, you know, the other backstory is that Lane is an avid gardener. Um, I mean, she lives in Williamsburg, Virginia, and she has just been going at it for a long time. So Lane, we're just so glad to have you a part of us. Thank you, Lisa. Very happy to be here. Um, Like Lisa said, my name is Lane. I'm the seed manager here at the Gardener's Workshop, and I'm so excited to be introducing this new series of podcast episodes to you that we're calling Seed Talk. And on Seed Talk episodes, we're going to be trying to delve in a little deeper on some of the questions and topics that as seed manager, I see the questions and the confusion coming in all the time from our customers and our students. So just to give you a little background on myself, like Lisa said, I'm an avid gardener. I've been gardening for as long as I can remember. I've been starting seeds indoors for over 15 years now. So I have quite a bit of experience with that. And I'm just very passionate about plants and growing things. Um, The magic of seed starting, because it really is magical and also learning. I have a degree in bioengineering. I love math and science and understanding how and why things work the way they do. And I hope to bring a bit of my background and perspective here to Seed Talk. Thank you, Lane. I mean, I'm just so totally stoked about this. And she is so right that our inbox is always piling up with people with at all levels of gardening and farming, asking questions. And so 
this was baby um, Lane's brainchild baby to bring this some of these frequently asked questions. So before we jump into that, if you are new here to the Field and Garden podcast, friends, um, this is a project of thegardenersworkshop.com where we have an online garden shop. We have tons of resources. Our online courses are over there and you can find my books there. There's just a lot of fun to fall in over there, whether you are a home gardener just starting um, or a seasoned gardener right up to beginning flower farmers and seasoned farmers that are looking to scale and build your business. So we got you covered over there and we would, you know, when the day comes that you need tooled seeds or supplies, we appreciate you considering us because that part of our business is what funds all these free resources that we actually provide to you guys. And we love doing it as you can with from our bug talk with Rhonda. Now we have <laughs> talk with Lane um, and all the other things that we're doing. We just love sharing all these resources and you guys make it possible um, by supporting us. And we thank you so much for that. All right. Lane, let's hop right in. So y'all, I'm going into this cold turkey. Lane has these questions. Um, and also Lane, share how people can see this if they're not, if they wanted to see the slideshow you've prepared um, as well as listen. Right. So on our YouTube channel for the Gardener's Workshop, we will also be posting a video of this discussion, which is going to have the questions that we're discussing put up on the screen. So if you'd like to follow along with us like that, hop on over to our YouTube channel and check us out there. And should we get started, Lisa? Let's do it. All right, so for the first episode of Seed Talk, because of the time of year, the topic is cool flowers, frequently asked questions. So I'm just gonna jump right in here. So our very first question is, what are cool season hardy annuals, also known as cool flowers. And we are very fortunate to be in the presence of the lady who literally wrote the book on the subject. So take it away, Lisa. <laughs> so I think the biggest misconception or the misunderstanding about annuals um, that I have found through all my years of lecturing on this subject is when people hear the word annuals as a description of a plant, they immediately think of warm season tender annuals, because those are the more commonly grown. Those are flowers like zinnias and sunflowers and tomatoes and basil. Those are plants that we plant as soon as it gets warm and they perform all through the heat of summer. And then when the cold weather comes, it takes them out, right? Well, what little known, our grandmas knew about this y'all, but we didn't. It kind of fell away through the years is there are there's another group of annuals and they are known as cool season hardy annuals those are annuals that don't just survive cool weather they in fact thrive and desire cool conditions to grow in so if you just think about them as kissing cousins um, that the flip side of warm season tender annuals are cool season hardy annuals and we plant them as we're heading into or coming out of and sometimes even during um, the cool of fall and winter and very early spring. Right. And so just to review an annual in the strictest definition is a plant that completes its entire life cycle within a year. 
So it germinates, it puts on vegetative growth, it then enters the reproductive phase and flowers and sets seed and dies all within a year. And like Lisa said, I think people have a hard time understanding. People can usually conceptualize that a perennial has a hardiness associated with it. They know certain plants, you might be able to grow gardenias in the South, but if you try to do that in Minnesota, they might not survive your winter. I think people um, tend to understand that concept, but when it comes to annuals, like Lisa said, people have a hard time distinguishing that there are actually two categories of annuals. One, like Lisa said, the warm season tender annuals, they really aren't hardy at all. They can be damaged or taken out just by a frost. And then these cool season hardy annuals or cool flowers, they're kind of the opposite. And they actually thrive in those cooler conditions and getting established during those time periods. So that's a common source of confusion is that annuals can have a hardiness associated with them. Yes. And that's a great question to start with. Yeah. Okay. So let's go to the next one. So what are the advantages to applying the cool flowers concept and fall planting? Oh, this is such a great one. And so depending on your winter hardiness zone or um, your low temperature for the winter, those are both basically based on the same thing right here in the, the States, we go by USDA winter hardiness zones. Um, you can plant many of the cool season hardy annuals in the fall if they are winter hardy in your winter hardiness zone, meaning I live, I'm just going to say for, for, for practice here, that I'm in winter hardiness zone seven, let's just say. And if you look up, but you can look in the book, Cool Flowers, back on page, I think it's 137 or 138, there's a list there. It's kind of a cheap, cheap, quick reference. It lists the cool flowers that are featured in the book along with their winter hardiness zone. If you look at that chart and you live in winter hardiness zone seven and you see that they're hardy in winter hardiness zone seven, six, five, and four, or actually I don't think it, yeah, I think it does go to four. You can fall plant those particular winter hardiness. I mean, those winter um, hardy cool season flowers. Why would you want to plant them in the fall? Y'all, the advantages are unprecedented the abundance of the performance of the plant in the abundance of the number of stems, the stem length and the plant's resistance to disease and pests because it is so well established by being planted in fall before it has to start performing, it survives winter and it's ready to hit the ground running in spring. Um, you, It's unbelievable really, once you, figure this out, what you can plant in fall, you will just not know how you didn't do this for all these years, right? Right. And I would highly encourage anyone that's doubting what we're saying or that hasn't experienced it themselves, I would highly encourage you to plant a plant that's hardy in your zone out in your garden in the fall and plant the same plant in spring and just compare the difference. Correct. And I've seen the difference firsthand I frequently, Lisa knows I have frequent visitors uh, to the garden, including Peter Rabbit and Bambi. And sometimes my, my seedlings get taken out. And so I will frequently have fall planted interspersed with spring planted. And there's just no comparison. There's really no comparison. I encourage you to try it. And I guess my caution that I want to add here 
is the key ingredient to success with this concept is to know your winter hardiness zone and the known winter hardiness zone of the plant. I am commonly um, asked, or I guess supporting people that have totally disregarded that and tried fall planting with plants that aren't even close to winter hardy in their zone. And then they wonder why they don't have success. So that is the first step. And the other thing, friends, if you live, let's just say if you live in zone three, four, and five, those are super cold, usually heavy snow load areas. Fall planting may not be for you, but there is another window, which I'm sure Lane is going to bring us to here in a minute, right. that is a better option for you. So stand by. And I also, another advantage is I actually like, spring is such a busy time of year. I actually like getting some of the planting done ahead yeah. of time in the fall when it's possible and just helping reduce that spring workload. So that's just another benefit. And that's All right, huge let's, for flower farmers. Huge. Right. Yeah. Great right. point. Okay. And let's move on to the next. So the next question, and this is going to be a complicated one, but which flowers do I plant and when? And I'm going to say right off the bat that which flowers you plant when is going to depend on where you live. That was a lot of W words. Yeah. You want to go ahead, Lisa? Yeah. So, and, but you know what, Lane, I really see this as such a simple question. Right. If you simply learn your winter hardiness zone based on the USDA um, map and Friends, if you live outside of the United States and don't go by the USDA um, zone, obviously, you can look up that zone map online and see what the temperature ranges are for those zones and find what your conditions kind of connect to the USDA winter hardiness zones, right? So that's a real simple. Right. But so yeah, and that that map provides temperatures also in Celsius. So if that's the temperature correct. scale you use, you can look it up like that. And it's just showing the average annual minimum winter temperatures that people experience. That doesn't exactly. mean it's going to be the minimum you're going to be experiencing every winter. Some it will be higher, some it will be lower, but the average. Okay. And gardening and farming is all about averages, friends. So this question is so simple. Which flowers? You need to know the winter hardiness zone of every cool season hardy annual that you want to grow. If um, there's some, there's about 30 flowers featured in the book, but there are additional cool season hardy annuals that we have added through the years after the book was published. And you can find all of those on thegardenersworkshop.com by going to the store, going to the seed category, and there is a cool season seed category and you will find additional ones in there and it also lists there the winter hardiness zone so once you know your zone and you know the zone of the flowers that you want to plant those that are hardy in your zone you can fall plant if they are not hardy in your zone that means you're going to fall to the default of where most everybody can plant, which is called very early spring. Very early spring is six to eight weeks before your last spring frost. And that means 
that many of us, like here for me, um, our last spring frost is typically mid-April. So that means my very early spring planting window is mid-February to the 1st of March. So like Valentine's Day to the 1st of March. Classically, we can have snow during that time. Um, we st we're still getting down pretty cold at night, but those plants will take that kind of behavior. They just won't take the long haul of winter um, and heavy snow loads. Um, so you just need to figure out whether you can fall plant and then all of us can very early spring plant. Right. And when do they plant? So once, once people know the plants they're interested in and if they're hardy in their zone, when do they plant if they want to fall plant? Okay, so there's two methods of planting seeds that we follow here on the farm. One is direct seeding and the other is to plant transplants. In fact, fall planting is the only time we practice direct seeding here by our own personal preference and by the level of success that we achieve by doing it. So six to eight weeks before your first fall frost is the target. And when I say target, that means that it has to be tweaked, y'all. Tweaked based on the changing weather through the years. Um, I'm finding that fall weather just goes on longer and longer each year. So I have, I've kind of begun planting earlier than later. I'm sorry, later than earlier. Um, so I'm not pushing that envelope because fall just lasts longer than it used to. So the window is six to eight weeks before your first winter frost. That means, let's just say you're planting six weeks before your frost date, you're ready. So that means that you would have started your transplanted plants however many weeks in advance of that date um, for us, that is typically four to five weeks. That's how long it takes us to get a transplantable transplant ready to go in the garden. So that means on that day, I'm standing out in my garden. In one hand, I have transplants that I started however many weeks before ready to plant. And I have my pack of seeds of those varieties like Larkspur, Bachelor Buttons, Bells of Ireland that I'm going to direct seed in the garden. And what that provides is that six to eight weeks before your first frost for either those seeds to sprout and to grow into a little baby plant that's going to ride through winter, or it allows those transplants the time to become established and be ready to ride it out through winter. Um, is that clear enough? Yes. So I'll just summarize. So if a plant is winter hardy in your zone, you want to get that plant in the ground, whether it's a transplant or it's your direct seeding six to eight weeks before your first expected fall frost. Yes. If a plant is not hardy in your zone and you want to plant in very early spring, you'll want to get it in the ground six to eight weeks before your last expected spring frost. Correct. Yeah. Right. And just to give an example, and I'm just looking on my phone calendar here. So excuse me if any of these dates are wrong, but if your first expected fall frost date is November 1st, you would want to be getting things in the ground. Your range would be somewhere around September 6th through 20th. And if you were planting something, if you were transplanting something that you expect to be growing indoors for four weeks, four weeks back from that would be August 9th through 23rd. So my point is you need to be thinking about cool flowers yeah a lot earlier than you might realize. 
Yeah. And that just brings up such a great, I mean, several things just popped into my mind and uh, just another great benefit that we've enjoyed and don't struggle with is because we soil block and don't have greenhouse, we're starting seeds indoors in an air conditioned space so that we can provide those desirable seed starting conditions that cool season hardy annuals want, that is cool air and warm soil. Um, so like right now, because we have already started starting some of the dianthus um, that needs vernalization. Um, so the door to the grow room stays open, which means it stays about 68 degrees in there, yet the plants are on a seedling heat mat. For those growers that are using a greenhouse, it is a struggle to try to start cool season hardy annuals at the appropriate time. So that's just a little food for thought there. Yeah, that's a good point. And one other thing too to consider is something your hardiness zone does not tell you is anything about the heat conditions in your area. So yeah. that's why if you live somewhere like we do in Virginia, where spring tends to be pretty short and the hot weather comes on pretty quickly, very early spring planting or spring planting doesn't work as well as the fall planting. If you're able to fall plant, right. If you get, if you live somewhere where it gets very hot, very fast and you can fall plant stuff, you definitely should fall plant it. And, you know, the first one I think of about, you know, I think that one of the most prolifically wanted cool flower is bells of Ireland, right? I mean, bells of Ireland just take everybody. I mean, it's yes. just such a useful, beautiful flower. And we know here because of those conditions that Lane just can just explained that we fall plant. I direct seed those out in the garden um, and they do beautifully. I mean, we get 36 inch tall bells of Ireland in the field. And I guess we should mention that we're talking about all garden and field growing. There are is no hoop houses here on our farm. We grow amazing bells of Ireland when it's fall planted. But if you try to very early spring plant it, it can some years you can get a usable crop, but many years you can't. And it's all based on how quick it gets hot and humid and what the rain situation is. Um, so yeah, there's a lot to be, you have to really find your own way. We can't just give you the magic bullet answer, right, Lane? Right, right. And just the starting point again, find out what your zone is, what the plant's zone, hardiness zone is that you're interested in planting, and then know your first expected fall frost and your last expected spring frost. And that's going to tell you when you should plant those things. Yes. All right, let's move on. All right, so next, how do you determine when in the six to eight week window to plant? So this question is, I think people get a, like, oh, it's six to eight weeks. Well, should I plant at six or should I plant at eight? And I know you have some reasons in the fall that you tend to plant only six weeks before your first expected frost. Yeah. And, you know, as we all know that the climate is changing, um, you have to really kind of put your ear to the ground and your eye to the sky and your hand to your phone to have a good weather app that has that two week forecast. And, um, you know, I'm always looking particularly for direct seeding. I would say that direct seeding gives is the one that I stick to this rule the most because you're planting a seed outside in the garden it is definitely going to need some warmth which you'd be getting six to eight weeks before your first frost to induce 
sprouting and germination and growth. You know, if you tried to plant a seed in the middle of the winter, it's just going to sit there dormant and wait until spring conditions, which defies the whole cool flower concept, right? So we really stick very closely to this six to eight weeks. Um, and then the weather, whether it's going to rain, you know, if the beds are prepared or what are guiding my choice. Um, but you really need to get those direct seeded stuff in in a very timely manner. However, transplants, you have more wiggle room because they've already sprouted. You've got this great little plant to take out to the garden and plant. And then, of course, if you incorporate hooping and using row covers, you can tweak, meaning you can plant later and cover them and warm them up a little bit during the cold days if it gets colder earlier um, and help them become established. So what I guess the bottom line to that is that the current conditions, what the weather forecast is, it was what helps me to determine when during that six to eight week. And um, I've been known to push transplants closer to the frost date because of weather problems or we forgot to start a seed. Um, and if your ground is not frozen, you can still plant transplants. All you have to do is hoop and cover them especially if you cover your beds in the Bio360, which is the biodegradable film that we use the black side up when we're planting in the fall so that the soil is heating just a smidge um, based on that black surface. And that in combination with hoops and row covers like buys you weeks of back time, you know, um, so right. that'll help. So if someone is having a warmer than usual fall, they would be better off planting more towards the six week mark than the eight, because you don't want your transplants in the ground getting too big, putting on too much growth before the winter. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And if, you know, if it is still really warm outside, I mean, what you're looking for is about 60 to 65 degree nighttime temperatures and holding at that to do cool flowers, particularly direct seeding. Because I was going to say, if you um, start too early or if your conditions are still really warm in that six to eight week window, your seeds are not going to sprout. You know, I'd wait a week. You know, you just have to kind of, and it's gut-wrenching. That is the most gut-wrenching season for me. I mean, there's so many variables that you just have to, you're at the mercy of the weather. So you're not alone in that struggle and you just do the best you can. That's what we do. Right. And of course, if you run out of time, that's another good reason to plant closer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to the, the six-week mark than the eight-week. Yeah. Okay, let's go to the next question. Okay, this one is definitely a source of confusion. Why should we direct seed at the same time we're putting transplants into the ground? Won't the direct seeded plants be behind? That's something we hear very frequently. Correct, and I totally understand it, but both methods of planting need the six to eight weeks to do their job, basically. So when you direct seed on the same day you plant the transplant, that direct seeded seed will be given the opportunity to sprout and grow into a baby plant before it faces um, winter. The transplanted plant will be given that six to eight weeks 
to become established and get snuggled in. So basically at the end of the six to eight weeks, they're both in the same spot. If you think about it that way, that's the whole point of doing that. And I totally understand that. Um, so it's like you're getting them both to the same end result before they have to head through winter. Right. Okay, let's go on to the next. So what is pushing the envelope and how can I cheat my zone? So I know you say the phrase pushing the envelope a lot. So what are you meaning when you say that? Pushing the envelope means if you're willing to take extra steps, basically. So let's say that I live in zone eight because I'm actually zone 7B slash 8A. So it just depends on the current conditions as to where I live. So if I want, if I'm living in this zone seven slash eight and a plant is winter hardy to zone eight and my weather misbehaves during the winter and it behaves like a zone seven winter, meaning it gets colder, that means that that zone eight hardy annual is likely to not survive that winter. So I can give it some added protection by using hoops and covers. Um, so that's pushing the envelope. That means you need to consider how I want to grow something and fall plant it that's not really winter hardy in my zone. And so I'm going to have to help it along. And that can be from the site you select. You know, there's microclimates, um, whether you're a home gardener or a flower farmer. You know, there's places on your property that have the best winter conditions. You know, they're protected from wind. They might get the early morning sun earlier than certain spots in your yard. All of these things in can, along with hooping and covering, people underestimate the power of lightweight row covers. I have enough lightweight row cover and hoops to hoop our entire farm. Um, and these little tunnels are not meant for snow load. They are winter conditions beyond freezing precipitation protection, meaning wind protection, and they concentrate the sun during the day and block the wind that just helps your plants along. So if you wanted to try to grow something one zone below you, meaning it's a warmer, you know, it's a zone eight and you're in zone seven and you wanna to try to fall plant it, you have to take some extra steps to cheat your zone and to push the envelope to get better results um, because it is pretty dadgum amazing. Right. And when you're pushing the envelope, you just know you're taking a bit of a risk with it. Yes. And I do this as a home gardener, even with certain shrubs, maybe they're hardy to zone eight. I'm in zone seven B, but I'm going to try it anyways, knowing that there is a chance I might lose it one of these winters. Yes. Okay. Next question. Do you succession plant any cool flowers? And if my ground is still workable and not frozen, can I continue to plant into the winter? So maybe let's limit this to, do you succession plant any cool flowers after your initial fall planting? So yes, a way to practice succession planting, um, there's a couple of ways, it depends on, it can vary from flower to flower. Um, but in addition, if you can fall plant, then normally you can very early spring plant. However, as Aunt Lane pointed out earlier, if you get if you don't have much of a spring, don't expect an excellent performance from a very early spring planting of the same thing of fall of a fall planting. However, 
sometimes having a later blooming time from those very early springs are good enough. That's a nice way to do it. But there are some cool flowers that we do succession plant um, multiple times, and that would be Feverfew, Sweet William, um, some of the series of those, Snapdragons. I'm just thinking of those that we can do stock. You just really, it's it really varies on your conditions, your zone, and what flower you're talking about. So that's why you can't, I can't make a blanket statement about that. Right. And so if you put something in the ground six to eight weeks before your first expected frost, when might you do your next succession of something? I know that depends on the plant, but just in general. So are you doing it? Um, I will say, and I just always think of this little test that, you know, one of the rock stars of flower farming world, Lynn Bozinski, who wrote the book, The Flower Farmer, she and another just really great grower back in the day, Betsy Hitt, they did a larkspur test years ago about, you know, planting, early, you know, right on time in the fall, then planting again during the winter because Betsy was in North Carolina. Um, and then again in very early spring. And what they learned, which I also um, confirmed this, is all that larkspur pretty much bloomed at the very same time, just in different heights and qualities. Um, so I consider fall planting one succession. I consider very early spring planting another succession. And then again, depending on where you are, some people can plant throughout the winter if you're in more Southern regions and some people that are more Northern that don't have hot, humid summers can plant after the very early spring to continue that succession. So does that complicated right. enough? <laughs> it's and deep. I think the, the takeaway here is experiment, try it for yourself, yeah. take really good notes and record what you're seeing. No one is going to be able to tell you exactly what's going to happen on your property in that spot on your farm or in your garden. The only way you're gonna know is if you experiment yourself. That's true. And I would also say when you're experimenting, you don't do hundred foot beds. You do five to 10 feet of beds. You know, you don't do a heavy investment. You don't, you know what I mean? You do enough right. that you can, you know, have you have a, a variable to, to look at, but to not overdo it and lose everything. <clears throat> as right. we know, we hear from people that do that is why I'm saying that. Yes. Yes. Okay. Let's go to the next. Are cool flowers only spring bloomers? And are there any cool flowers that perform well in heat? And one of my very favorite cool flowers that we get a lot of questions on are straw flowers, because those perform very well in the heat. And yet they're also cool flowers. Isn't that confusing? <laughs> you know, I mean, um, so yes, straw flowers are cool season hardy annuals. They're only winter hardy to zone eight. I'll tell you, I did a big experiment years ago when we were in high production um, and they actually made it through my winter until like February 5th. We had a deep Aww. freeze ice storm. It went down to single digits and then we had an ice storm to boot. Um, but what I have learned about straw flowers is they don't really need to be fall planted. They perform so well um, under a very a, a lot of different conditions. So we do succession plant cool um, straw flowers. We plant them very early spring and then we plant them once a month because we have learned 
they definitely perform well enough um, into summer and they bloom well into summer. And so you really have to, again, test the waters. Feverfew is another one. And then the Sweet William that is our favorite to grow overall is this, the Amazon series. They also perform under heat pressure. So and how about the Black-Eyed Susans, the Rudbeckia? Yeah, so the Rudbeckias are an interesting family. Um, so we fall plant them for the earliest, most amazing bloom. And then I do, I do plant them again in very early spring. They aren't nearly as tall, but they're definitely tall enough. And they really perform well during the heat. Again, you really have to experiment with this. However, there are some flowers we know that don't don't that we just resent heat. Stop, right. for instance. They just slam the door and go in and pout when the heat comes. <laughs> they don't get very tall. Their blooms are really not worth doing. Um, so you have to. You know, it can really vary from flower to flower. All right. All right. This is a good one. What are your top five must grow cool flowers for farmers and your top five for home gardeners? So Lane did give me this question before, and I actually have it written right, down right here in front of me. Oh, it was a you. really hard choice, Lane. I mean, let's face it. Why am I a flower farmer? Because I couldn't <laughs> narrow the choices down of what I wanted to be as a gardener. So let's do the home gardener for, no, let's do flower farmers first. Okay. And you have, if you could see my list, y'all, I wrote some and then I scratched them out when I found another one that I found better. So for a flower farmer, what I'm considering is for me in my market and in my 20 some years experience of being a flower farmer is what sold the best and what was the easiest to grow and the most in demand week after week after week. So, um, and I say every one of them is my favorite. At the top of the list ended up being Sweet William. Um, and that would be that Amazon series. And there are a few others um, that, you know, ride along with that. But Sweet William for farmers, Snapdragons for sure. Those are just two huge cash crops in the commercial world. And then the Rudbeckias, which are amazing cut flowers um, and stock which I don't fall plant that, but it's very early spring. And that's a very significant crop in for Mother's Day, we can get it in. And then the last one for flower farmers, which surprises so many people is Bupleurum. Bupleurum is a huge filler. Florists have never have enough. Your bouquet makers never have enough. And it's just a really super easy. So my list is Sweet Williams, Snapdragons, Rebecca, Stock, and Bupleurum. And we could do an entire podcast on those five and the varieties and the special things about them, right? I mean, that's... And maybe we will do that. So <laughs> yeah, so that's pretty amazing. Now, the five that I have for home gardeners, I chose them because people love them. And I think that they escape most home gardeners. They can't grow them. And it's always because of the timing. I mean, the bottom line rule to cool flowers is it's all about the timing. If you time them right, they're little work and they're easy to be successful with and they escape most people. So top of that list is sweet peas. Sweet peas, yes. when they are planted in fall or very early spring for your zone, 
they grow like weed, y'all. It's amazing. And then, of course, Bells of Ireland, the most coveted cool flower, super easy to grow. And then the surprising one is Statin. Statin yes. is so colorful, so beautiful, and it's really fun to make craft projects out of it because it's one of those flowers that actually um, dries simply and holds its color. So it's really got a long use for the home gardener. And then I had to put straw flowers here for the same reason oh, as status. Yes. They're easy. They have a long bloom time. Um, and I will mention, so we are now, what is this lane? The beginning of August, the straw flowers that I planted in very early spring, which were transplants in mid-February, we harvested the heck out of them um, right after Mother's Day for several weeks going on and on. Then we had a little, we kept them weeded and we kept, you know, they were completely cut, you know, harvested. They are now reblooming. So they really have a long haul, which I think home gardeners really will appreciate, as well as the native bees and beneficial insects totally love straw flowers. And then my last one for the home gardener is the flower that escapes all home gardens, nor, nor gardeners normally is poppies. Oh, poppies, yeah. when you plant that seed out in the garden at the proper time, you will have poppies, um, Iceland poppies early spring, and then the big giant poppy pods about a month or two after that. And it's all about timing of when you plant them. That was a pretty good, pretty good list. And there's a lot more flowers to explore as well beyond that which we will get to in our next question, which is where can I learn more about cool flowers? Oh, what a good question, Lane. All <laughs> right. So if you want to learn about the concept and to help you just wrap your head around it, it's my book, Cool Flowers. You, we have it on the Gardener's Workshop. I would love to you know, autograph a copy for you, but you can find it at booksellers everywhere. It's a simple, easy read. And there's also a little video book study um, that will be automatically sent to you when you purchase it on our store. But if you buy it elsewhere, we still want you to have the book study. You can um, just simply go to the book product page on our website, thegardenersworkshop.com. And right there down a little bit on the page, it says claim your free book study and you just have to request it and we'll send it. Um, and we have a lot of great resources on our website under resources. There are blogs. There is one particular blog post called the Cool Season Flower Chronicles, which is actually a video series, but there are so many other resources available there. Um, so there's no end. And now we have podcasts. There are several podcasts there. Um, and, you know, y'all, we are, I am still learning and still adding cool flowers to this concept. So there's no ending to the learning, right, Lane? Right. And another resource that is really great is if you just go to our website and look up a given flower we typically have a lot of information on the product page. So it can help you tell you where it's hardy to, um, yes. different things like that. Yeah. So I would check out the website and we also have a shopping app now. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Thank you. 
So if, if you go to our website, first, I wanted to say that Lane's talking about the seed product page. If you go to that Correct. cool season um, seed category, it's on those individual seeds where um, Lane is just beefing up the resources on those pages. So we're really happy about that. Um, but if you also, y'all, we have our own phone app now, and I do a live shop and show each week. And guess what the highlight of the show is? It is me showing the harvest, the live harvest from that week. So you can get um, I'm offering more information. We're calling it the 411 um, on the, the, plant, the flowers that we're showing um, and also any tools and tips um, that are happening at that particular time. And we have special offers, y'all, which are so very much fun. But you can find the app and learn more about the shop and show. If you go to the gardenersworkshop.com, go to the shop. The very first selection is the live shop and show, and that takes you to a page where you can download the phone app according to the phone that you have. Um, and y'all, we are having so much fun. It's broadcast from here from the farm. Um, Suzanne and I are here. Lane's getting ready to start joining us here because we there's just so much interaction that goes on during this show. We need more hands on board. So thank you, Lane, for sharing that. You're welcome. And I also just wanted to say, remind everyone to check us out with this video on YouTube if you want to follow along and see the questions, if you want to watch it again. Um, and also, we're going to have in the show notes a form. If you have a topic or a question that you would like us to discuss on a future Seed Talk episode, fill out the form and send it in, and we would love to consider it. Yeah. And y'all, we're just... There's just so much happening and we are so thankful for all of you guys that listen. And, you know, the, the, the gardeners workshop team has grown so much in the last few years. And one of the things that we're just realizing is we're made up of people that have the like-minded. We're all focused on, we love gardening, which leads many of us to farming, um, but it's all wrapped up together. And these, I mean, I'm just so very excited for the future of the gardeners workshop, whether it's the podcast or our online courses, you know, our schools are getting ready to kick off this fall with fall enrollment, which only happens once a year for several of them, mine included. And um, it's just, we are ramping up. And um, so Lane, thank you for, for birthing this baby and for <laughs> carrying me along in it. And I'm just excited about what the future holds. Oh yeah. We're going to have some really great topics coming up. So I'm very excited about that. All right. With that, we're going to sign off here. And friends, remember, head over to thegardenersworkshop.com to learn more about us. Sign up for our weekly news, which just kind of keeps you in the know. Um, so please subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast and drop a review. That helps us get out to more and more people. All right, friends, until we meet again. Thank you, Lane. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Ciao. This episode was originally produced as a part of the Field and Garden podcast before Seed Talk was spun off to become its own podcast series. 